Hello. So today is February 14 and we are in Matthew 14. And uh, this is so late because I, first of all, could not sleep last night. I am uh, preaching Wednesday night at service. And so I had that on my mind late into the night. And I'm, I'm usually an early bird sleeper, not an early bird riser. And I am an early bird riser too, but I'm usually, I go to sleep really early. So anyway, went to sleep late which means woke up late, which means I got started on this late. And, uh, and then in the middle of this, uh, somebody came to help me get all these, uh, oh my word, I just basically did a huge construction job. So just get into it. And uh, um, I know this is going to be hard for you to believe, but I'm so excited about the word of God today. <laughs> um, so... Matthew 14, I saw Sharon Smith on here. Um, you're probably going to be the inspiration for, get, for getting us maybe a piece of bread for those, those artists who, who journal by artistry. So chapter 14 starts so sad. I honestly, this, I, I started this and I was just sobbing. And moved on and kind of dried up a little bit my tears. And then um, then I had to stop and go do that work and then come back to it and finish it. So this almost feels like it's been forever ago when I first sat down to do this part. But it starts with John the Baptist's death. And oh my goodness, just so sad. And of course, the last time that we heard about John the Baptist was in Matthew 11. Whenever he sent those disciples, Matthew was in prison and he sent these disciples to ask Jesus, are ye the one that was prophesied about? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus told those disciples, go tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the lepers are cleansed. He you know, sent him back saying, go tell John about the fruit. And then he added that word, blessed is he who's not offended in me. And then, of course, the disciples left to take that news back to John. And Jesus just gushed about how great John was. A greater person had not been born, Jesus said. And so then... At the after his death, of course, how he died is so sad and stupid. And and when you read this, I mean, I cannot help it. It just is a modern scene. It is a, if I were watching a movie, this this these verses right here of this girl dancing for for Herod, and her mother being involved in this process. It, it could be a modern. TV show, a reality TV show. This is the state this world is in. It's just, oh, so, so bad, so sad. John, if this were a modern scene, John the Baptist would be being accused of bigotry, of, there's no tell, all the laws that could be thrown at John the Baptist because he preached against 
Herod having an adulterous affair with his sister-in-law. That's what was happening here. Sounds just like today's. They don't want to be preached about. Don't bring up my sin. Don't even call it sin. How dare you? How dare you call my lifestyle sin? And so that's what John was in prison for. And so he sends this word of hope. Like, are you, you know, I'm here near in prison. I sure do hope you are the guy that I was preaching about. And Jesus, of course, affirmed it. And then after Jesus, after John was killed, his disciples came and took up the body and buried it. Oh, what a, what a tragedy this was for John's disciples. What a tragedy. And then they went and told Jesus. And when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. I, you know, Jesus had a lot of compassion. As a matter of fact, we're immediately going to start reading about his compassion. But we know that he wept when Lazarus died. I am sure this was a season, a, a an emotional moment for John. And he, you know, he just tries to get out of Dodge and he specifically goes into a desert place. You know, I mean, if you've ever mourned, this is where you want to be. Like, leave me, at least for me and my personality type. I don't want a bunch of people around. I want to be left alone. Give me a hole to to crawl into and just just leave me alone. And it certainly looks like that was Christ's reaction to hearing of his cousin. Don't forget, John was family. John was his cousin. And uh, yeah, so, so sad. But when the people heard that Jesus left, they followed him on foot out of the city. So, you know, he, he, he departed by a ship. So that means he went, the shortcut across the water and they departed on foot. So that means they went the distance all the way around to go find him. And of course, that's why we talked about this before, why Jesus would, when he would heal somebody, he would say, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. Because the outcome of the masses learning that there is, is our miracles being done is they're going to, to line up for it. And it's not that he doesn't have compassion on it. He just knew that there would be no privacy once the word got out. And in fact, he would have to deflect being crowned king, being made a, a made being prevented. There was a chance that the people would protect him and try to prevent him from, from accomplishing his purpose, which is going to be crucifixion. And so he tried to put that off as long as he could by saying, tell no man. And so then we get over here to something very interesting. As I was reading verse 14, so when, he's, when Jesus sees the multitude, he's moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. And I... This morning, just, you know, again, I was in a, in a place of, of um, emotion as I was reading this. And 
it dawned on me that this was the max. Healing their sick was the max that Jesus was able to do for them. He, he taught them. As a matter of fact, he, we find other verses where he's moved with compassion and his compassion brought him to a place where he taught them. But the maximum that Christ, that Christ could do was either heal them or teach them. Because we read in John 7, 39, the Holy Ghost was not yet given. When, when the, when Jesus, after he accomplished his death, burial, and resurrection, and he ascended, we find the disciples, you know, he, he left the disciples saying, these works that I do, greater works than these shall you do. And the first thing those disciples do when they start doing the greater works is on the day of Pentecost, they start preaching repent. And they said, men and brother, what shall we do? And the disciples come straight out of the chute telling them, repent, be baptized in Jesus name, and you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. And we who have been filled with the Holy Ghost know this is an ultimate miracle. Being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, being filled with God's spirit is the ultimate miracle. And being filled with God's spirit enables us to endure every trial, every tribulation, every sickness that we encounter. The Holy Ghost gives us the power to do that. And it's just interesting this morning to realize that when he's moved with compassion, the max that he can do is heal and teach. It's the max that he could do. And, uh, and then the disciples compassion that, you know, the disciples come along when it was evening and said, um, this is a desert place. In other words, there are no vendors here. There are, there's no place to buy food, no way to make food. This, this is a desert place. There are not homes here. You know, the, the, um, the Jewish culture is to be very hospitable. And if you were a stranger traveling in their town, they would take you in. So you would have a place to sleep. You would have a meal that was written in the law that the Jewish people behaved that way, but they're in a desert place. And so there's, there's, there's not even a place and a way for them to be hospitable, hospitable. And so the disciples came and said, send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. In other words, get themselves some food. This was the disciples compassion. And at, up until now, all through this, this is the maximum just like Jesus' maximum was healing their sick and teaching, the disciples' maximum was help them go and take care of themselves, put them in a position to take care of themselves. It's not that they were cold-hearted toward them. This was just the max that the disciples were able to do. Send them away to let them take care of themselves. And of course, we find the disciples entering into this realm once they are empowered with the Holy Ghost, 
once they are filled with the Holy Ghost, the disciples start operating as Jesus Christ, which by the way, is what we are supposed to be doing as well. We've got to be careful because it, we find ourselves operating at this level, go away, find somebody else who can help you. Um, when, when we need to be, um, operating at this level of teaching and of healing. Christ's goal in this moment was not send them away. Christ's goal in this moment was to draw all men unto him. And we read about that in John 12, 32. And so he started working miracles. And for us as disciples of Christ, who have been empowered to do greater works than these, and we've got to, to believe that. We need to operate in that faith. Last month, we read the book of Acts, and we find the disciples operating in that level of faith. And so we need to understand that the reason we lay hands on the sick in the grocery store, and the reason we pray for people in public, the reason we operate in the gifts of the miraculous is to draw men to Christ. That's why we do it. And so that's what we see Jesus doing here. He was performing miracles. And then, you know, he heals their sick here um, in, in verse 14. His compassion moves him to heal their sick. But that also happens down here in, in verses 34, 35, and 36. They came into the land of Gennesaret, and when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into that country roundabout and brought into him all that were diseased. Okay, we're going to come back to that in just a minute. But Jesus was moved with compassion, and and he constantly healed their sick to draw people to himself. And this was very interesting. Um, you know, he 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 has he asks give them to eat. And they said unto him, we have here, but five loaves and two fish. You know, all we have is basically what they were saying are five loaves and two fish. And he says, bring them to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down and he fed them, fed this multitude. Okay. They did eat, were filled, took up the fragments. But, um, as a soul winner and as a person who thinks about what is needed this really stuck out to me. Um, you know, the, the word of God is, is the bread is a very symbolic food. Jesus said in, um, in John six thirty five, Jesus said that he was the bread of life. And then we also know from Matthew 4, 4, who, you know, Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy when he said this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so from the Old Testament and Deuteronomy, where this was originally said, all the way through to when Jesus was speaking, we need bread to live, but we don't only need bread as much as bread is a sustenance for us, so is every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so we need physical bread, but we equally need God's word. God's word is symbolic of bread. And so 
Jesus is the bread of life. The word of God is bread. And I find it very interesting because when you think about how Jesus said he was calling his disciples to be fishers of men. And so when we are soul winning and we are we are catching humanity in ways that you catch fish, right? You need double the bread for every fish. Five loaves, two fishes. You need double the bread for every fish. And so if you are a soul winner, you've got to be constantly interacting with Christ and constantly taking in the word of God. And you've got to make sure you have twice the bread for every fish you catch. Because that's how the multitudes, that's how sustenance is provided. Okay, and so then we have the story of Jesus walking on the sea and then Peter um, walking on the water. And this is an amazing story. You know, I, I am not, when I do these live streams, I'm giving my points of inspiration. I'm not reading every every word. That's That's your job. Your job is to read the whole chapter. And so this is amazing. I thought it was interesting that Jesus said, oh, thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Um, you know, Jesus just kept teaching those disciples uh, lessons. You know, he did that when, when there was a storm um, and, and the disciples woke him up. He was, he was disturbed that they didn't realize they had enough faith to calm that storm themselves. And we see that again here. He is just continually teaching this lesson to his disciples. And therefore, it's a lesson we need to learn as well. You, we, it's amazing what we are able to accomplish if we will only have faith. And I'm going to end on that same idea of faith and the understanding of faith by these last few verses here. So they, they, they're through the, they cross the sea here. They have that whole experience where they cross the sea and they were gone over, I mean, over from the water and they came into the land of Genesaret. And when they had knowledge of him, they, they came and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Y'all, this is so cool because the, the other time we find out about Jesus, about people, someone touching the hem of his garment is in Matthew nine. And this is that woman with the issue of blood. When she, she said, if I can but touch his, the edge of his garment, I will be whole. She, no one told her that. No one taught her that. She had that gumption within herself to be that crazy lady willing to step out and do what she had never seen anyone do, never heard of anyone doing. This is so important for us. We, we hold ourselves back from miracles because we are afraid of being the crazy lady. 
We don't want to be that one stepping out in the aisle in the middle of church. We don't want to be that one, you know, setting up a baby crib when the doctors and science is saying that we are barren. We don't want to be that one uh, walking around property that we feel like we need to have for the church to grow. We don't want to be the one walking around at seven times because we look crazy doing it. This woman, we now have the story. If I can but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be whole. But she was the crazy lady who started something. And because she did that act, now we have whole multitudes coming out saying, if I can just touch, everybody's doing it now. And then this woman that stepped out, not only started this, but now after Jesus is resurrected, we get Acts 19, where the apostle Paul is now in action. And they, they brought from him his handkerchiefs or aprons to the sick people. Don't be afraid to do that thing that pops in your mind. If it is an act of faith, if it is toward the Lord, if you are, if, if through your life in general, you do very same things that people approve of, that the fruit of your labor is, you know, uh, people are approving of you. You don't need to worry about the fact that you've got one thing come into your mind that is a little crazy. <laughs> especially when it has to do with something toward the Lord. Now, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's actually stuff that's already been done that you're afraid to do, like pray for somebody in public or like walk around a piece of property or like uh, uh, set up a crib. I have heard those stories over and over again, and I have heard over and over again how God has met those people when they've done that. So step out in faith, ladies, step out, be bold, be bold. God is at work through your boldness. God wants to show his hand through your boldness. Be bold. Okay, that's it for today. God bless you all. Um, I, I, I'm preaching tomorrow night in Bellevue. I think I will be of a mindset that I'll be able to do this, but I'm not positive. So we'll see. God bless. Bye-bye.